Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 214. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today, talking about video games. I have been mostly working on stuff, which usually means that I do not have a lot of games to talk about. However, the stuff I've been working on uh, is stuff that I needed to actually sit down and play some stuff for. So I actually have things to say about various games, but it's going to be a very PCFX-centric episode today because that was kind of my main focus this weekend specifically. I basically hunkered down this weekend and was like, all right, going to edit this PCFX video. You know, I wanted to finish it, but I only really got the rough draft done, like a very rough draft, actually. It's, 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 a, it's a very dense video. A lot of the problems I have with like editing videos frequently is like I will talk about a lot of things in the beginning and I have a very specific thing in mind of how I want that to look, feel, and move. Um, and so the first minute of a video usually takes me a very long time to get through. Um, and then after that, I usually let... Le- like eases up a bit as we get further into like talking about a game or a concept. And I don't always have to like have footage that's very specific to what I had in mind. In the case of this video, it is eight solid minutes of me very meticulously picking gameplay that I wanted to include in there. Um, Not only from the games I've played for the PCFX, but also stuff that I, that I haven't really gotten a chance to look at or stuff I've talked to other people about and kind of learned about through them and, and, and have their feelings on it. And, and, you know, having conversations about that. So, so it was a lot of like, just kind of mixing in a lot of footage from a lot of games. And some of those games I did not actually have any gameplay of yet. So I wanted to sit down and actually play a lot of those. So there's a few of these games that I that I recently ordered, just never really got a chance to check out. Um, one is uh, Angelique Tengoku no Requiem, which is a part of the Angelique series, which is like a, um, I think it's like te- technically an Otome game series, but uh, they've had some spinoffs. And, and this one specifically is like a RPG spinoff. Um, I was actually, when I was looking around at some stuff online, Apparently, there was like some survey Koei received back about people being like, hey, we like Final Fantasy VI a lot. Why isn't Koei making a game like Final Fantasy VI? Um, so apparently that is Angelique uh, Tengoku no Requiem was some kind of response to that need. And it's a uh, originally a PCFX title, but it did, it did get ported to the PlayStation. I imagine that's where most people played it uh, out, of, out of the Angelique fans out there. I could be wrong, but that's what my assumption would be. Um, and it's basically a pretty straightforward JRPG for the most part. Um, it, it does a few things. Like, it doesn't really have any overworld exploration, per se. You don't go out into a world map and walk around with, like, tiny buildings everywhere. You basically just have a map with a cursor. And I don't know anything about the Angelique series, but apparently you travel between planets. Like, at some part, I got to a screen that just showed, like, 13 planets, and you could move your cursor between them. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, I was not aware this was a thing in this series. Um, but, but yeah, and, and, you know, I only played like an hour of it, so I just kind of messed around a little bit with, with, with the tutorial combat that they did. Um, there wasn't a lot of combat early on. It was mostly, you know, talking, you know, just walking around sometimes, walking around a town, opening treasure chests, things like that. Um, I think the big thing that kind of jumped out at me with this game is, uh, it used pretty much all, like, I don't know if it's specifically Red Book Audio, but, uh, but, you know, like audio recording that you just stream off like a CD itself. So it basically just sounds like any other song you could pull off a CD. If you don't know what, what happens with, with some of the, like some games of that era, like in the nineties is that they'll make choices between just streaming audio from the disc or they will, uh, 
play like like music from the sound chip of the system and you usually can tell what they sound like because the sound chip audio sounds more like what you'd expect out of like a you know 16-bit video game kind of thing versus the cd audio is going to sound like any song you know you ever had you know cd quality audio yes um and so with the pcfx i think there's only one channel that they can pull from this on i don't know if this is true for all consoles but for pcfx specifically so they usually developers have to make a choice between having voice acting a lot of voice acting or having cd quality audio or in the case of a game like abadeya no otome they're like why why don't we have both and the reason why you don't is because it creates all these really awkward loads and things like that where the game has to stop and load voice acting and unload the the, like the, the music in the background so like the music will stop and then all of a sudden like everything just stops for a few seconds and then the character starts speaking. It's kind of awkward. Um, so I definitely prefer the approach of like, Hey, we're going to have like the, the actual sound chip do the music. And then, the, and then the voice acting just plays over the, uh, the, the CD audio. I, uh, I assume in most cases, um, this game doesn't do that, but the music is actually really good. I did like it quite a bit. I do think the animation quality is also really high compared to a lot of PCFX games. It's very colorful and a lot of the cells looked really clean. I don't know if it's running at a higher resolution versus uh, animated cutscenes on, on other PCFX games, but it just looked really crisp in a way that I feel like a lot of PCFX um, uh, videos don't necessarily look. Um, it could be maybe the difference between actually playing like a video off the disc versus um, the, the, the PCFX has a thing where they can like stream JPEGs into the... Um, into the game, which is why you have games like Battle Heat, um, or most likely why you have games like Battle Heat, where they can very quickly call in video, like, in an instantaneous moment, rather than having to, like, actually load up a video on screen kind of thing. So maybe that's what the difference is. I don't really... I'm I'm not technically minded when it comes to that stuff, so it's just me just kind of looking at things, thinking about other games that play on the PCFX and figuring that out. But it is a cute little thing. It looks very much like a Final Fantasy VI kind of thing. You know, kind of low-budget um but but it's kind of what i expect out of um a, a i think it was a fairly late pcfx game um so i didn't i never looked at the playstation version maybe it looks about the same but all those angelique games have a very similar aesthetic too so it's, it's pretty much in line with that um and and i have angelique special as well i believe or, or maybe not angelique special angelique in wonder world or something or wonderland or something like that supposedly it's like a mini game collection but it's one of those games that i sat down and was like okay it says a mini game collection and then like went an hour into like okay i don't see any mini games yet i'm still just talking to men <laughs> so so i need to actually sit down and just like figure this one out at some point so anyways that game seems pretty cool i paid like 25 bucks for it which is pretty reasonable i got it through japan retro direct per usual as i do with pretty much all my pcfx games um so so that was that was a neat little thing and i, I want to sit down and spend more time with it because it feel, it seems like a good rpg and it seems very um approachable from an english speaker's perspective it doesn't seem like there's anything too complicated going on uh the biggest challenge i think would be that apparently you can get like you can basically have your romance scenes with all the men in the game throughout it although there's apparently a clear cutoff point where you can no longer do that um so it is it is something that if i really want to sit down and like do I want to like do a natural playthrough and then make sure I just like, you know, get one, one guy, just date the one guy I like kind of thing. Or do I want to go for that completion playthrough where I just like romance everybody kind of thing. And I think if I do the latter, I'll really have to see what resources are out there. Cause I'm not going to personally sit down and be able to figure that out. Likely I will probably need a guide for that. But if I just want to do like one character, maybe I can uh, just play a little carefully I think I saw there's a particular part of the story where it cuts off, so I can just look for that part of the story. Then if I get to that part and I still haven't, uh, 
you know, made made a man my man, then I will uh, <laughs> maybe just take some time to figure out if I can roll that back somehow. Um, I did run out of space in my PCFX, so I might have to actually start deleting save files, finally. I'm not buying that memory pack. Those memory packs are horrendously expensive for the PCFX. But the system has internal memory, and I don't know if it's going to... Well, assume eventually it will fail. I don't know what kind of memory is in there. Maybe like a flash or... I don't know. But um, but right now, at least, I have not had any trouble with it. Also, a lot of PCFX games have unique screens when you load it up with a, with the memory being full, and so there's no space for it to create save data. So that might be kind of an interesting thing to sit down and like actually look at all those games as they try to create save data and they're not able to kind of thing. Um, I played another game called uh, Deep Blue Fleet. I don't remember the Japanese name. It's like Kopeki no something. But the, the translated name is Deep Blue Fleet. And apparently it's like there's an anime related to it. It's like an alternate World War II history thing. Um, and it is about Japan. Uh, I, I assume just in World War II. Like you're just playing the side of Japan in World War II or something like that. Uh, which I thought, you know, as, a, as an American, it's very interesting to see that the first mission of the game is like, hey, bomb Her Pearl Harbor. And it's like, all right. <laughs> you know, I don't feel like we get too many like games where you are the like military fighting America kind of thing. That's, that seems pretty rare. And I don't know if it's just like a because America makes most of the war games. So that's all I really see kind of thing, or at least all the mainstream ones. Or if you could find like, you know, games in, in other regions that do take that approach that uh, just don't, we don't know much about because they usually wouldn't get localized, right? Or at least no, not localized in that way. <laughs> um, so Deep Blue, Blue Fleet, though, definitely didn't get localized. Um, but, oh man, that game is going to take a lot of effort. There's a couple things I want to say about Deep Blue Fleet. Um, one is it is like a, a fairly serious looking World War II game. Um, it, I get the impression, and this is true of a few PCFX games, especially like some of the late ones that feel more like somebody obligating to like finish a contract versus actually trying to create something specifically for the PCFX. Um, Deep Blue Fleet feels like a game that they took like animated cells from a from the anime and like overlaid them on backgrounds and they don't have any like animation or anything they're just like heads sitting there and they're just kind of talking and there's something kind of nice about how it looks because it is just kind of full screen like background with this with this large character portrait it's not just like a little pixelated head or something um but i i get the impression that there just was not a lot of effort so it's a lot of just like cutting back and forth between the two different heads on each side talking to each other kind of thing um and obviously it'd probably be more interesting if i could actually understand what's happening um there's no text on screen as well which is true for some pcfx games as well where like the voice acted parts don't have actual subtitles or anything like that um and and yeah it just does not seem like the visual showpiece i would expect um, at least up front. I think the important thing to keep in mind, and this seems to be true of a lot of English language footage of Deep Blue Fleet, or people, the footage that was recorded by people who probably don't speak Japanese. Um, when you start up Deep Blue Fleet, um, you're kind of overwhelmed. There's a lot of menus with incredibly dense, um, or incredible amount of kanji. And, and it seems like a very deep game in in the strategy elements it's a strategy rpg essentially but it is, it is very complex and i don't it will probably be one of the hardest games i think on the system to really sit down and figure out without knowing the language um i think the big thing would be translating the manual specifically 
Um, I, 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 there did not seem to be a lot of information given up front as to what you, the player, should be doing. Um, and, or, or rather, there, there was not a lot of information about how mechanics work. Sometimes you can tell with some, certain games, like, if you get a ton of text at the front, it's like, okay, there's probably something going on here that's trying to tell me how to play this game. I'm not understanding it because I don't read the language, but, you know, it's, it's teaching somebody how to play this game. Versus something like Battle Heat, which does not care. It's like, you're going to play this game, whether you read Japanese or not, we're dumping you right in, and, and there's going to be no tutorial, basically. So it's like, Battle Heat is a game you have to just read the manual. Um, or go to the Giant Bomb Wiki for an English speaker because the Giant Bomb Wiki has a very uh, uh, in-depth explanation of how how Battle Heat works. Um, so so it's one of those games that I just look at and like this is going to take a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of pre-reading. Um, it's what I had to do with um, what's that PlayStation game called? The uh, it's a Hunex game as well, actually. Um, the the Silvery Peak RPG, the Simple Series game. That game is is, is really hard to understand until you sit down and like I I. I machine translated the manual and once i machine translated the manual it's like oh this makes sense i can play this video game and i was able to beat it without any issues after that it's a very straightforward game once you understand the concepts of what happening what's happening but because it's like such a weird and different game or at least not one that we have like a lot of exposure to in america and hunex has this obsession with auto rpgs i don't know if this is specifically a hunex thing or if there's just like other rpgs out there i just don't know about that we're also immensely in this concept of just like you're not going to play the video game you're just gonna watch your characters play the video game and the way that those characters interact depend on how you treat them basically <laughs> like how what's your relationship what are their stats at things like that but it's still like a a more traditional like party rpg where like a party's walking up a hill they get in combat um so that's a game that i was able to like translate the manual and understand what was happening this game just seems so dense so maybe someday it is probably low on the priority list um especially because of that presentation up front just it didn't seem like a game that had a lot of effort put into the the visual element of it and i think there's probably value there in the strategy element but i feel like it's going to be so deep and dense i'm gonna have to really just commit to being like i'm gonna read this this entire like manual and then I'll actually be able to sit down and figure out what I'm doing in this video game kind of thing. And, and maybe it won't work, which is fine. I paid like $8 for it, so it's not a big deal, but still. Um, yeah, it's 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 a neat game, though. And I, I, I there's something like just kind of like weird about the, the first mission being like Bomber Harbor. And I was like, all right, all right. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a strange thing to see as, as an American who plays a lot of war games and just never seeing that kind of uh, perspective on it before. Not that it like not that I mind, obviously. Obviously, like I know let's not get into war politics. I don't know anything about war. Don't ask me questions. Minimum nonic. I hope I pronounced that right. This is a um basically a visual novel or or um I, what would I call it? I it's it's like I'm just gonna call it a visual novel for now. I know for some people that might not be the correct definition, but I think you can generally get what I'm saying saying here, you know. Character portraits, it's a lot of just like options you choose there's not a lot happening as like actual games um i don't think there's any like stat component money system or anything like that as far as i can tell for the first hour um but it's just like a really kind of fun colorful cute um um visual novel about these like three characters who at least in the the, the section i saw they get like shrunk down to a small size and they have to kind of like deal with the the world as a you know in a twice a life kind of situation in terms of visuals there's like a giant cat that they're like walking around with at some point 
Um, it's it's also a game that's very much about static art versus um versus like animation. But I will say it is it is like all like unique static art and things like that. It doesn't it's not just like talking heads back and forth. There is like character portrait heads, but but they do a good enough job of giving you different backgrounds to look at and different like uh, scenarios and drawings to kind of portray what's happening in the, in the in the um the world itself. The one part that I that I had a little bit of challenge with, and and I will note like when I was trying to get footage for these, I was not really trying to sit down and learn these games for the most part i just wanted to kind of sit down and see what they were in the first place and see if they kind of fit you know any place in the in the, in the video for my understanding of what they are kind of thing um and and this game um seemed like there wasn't really a wrong way to progress it seemed like generally the game will just let you go forward um if you just like press enough things uh, enough but there were situations where i was kind of confused on what exactly was happening i know there's like at one point i was like selecting rooms to enter and then when i was in the rooms i was like doing different actions in that room and sometimes i should select the same option a few times before it actually would let me progress kind of thing and i don't know if i triggered something else first before i did that or if i just had to select that option three times and then it was like okay now you can move on to the next cutscene kind of thing um so i don't know for sure if there's any issue there the the biggest challenge i think there will be up front with that game is that it's a game with a very busy background so what that means is is that it's a game that has like you know if i'm going to use like an auto translate tool on the phone um having a busy background is not a good thing it, it, it really confuses the phone and it makes it really hard for it to like translate properly so having just like a solid blue final fantasy background right for text and things like that that is very, um, very important for that kind of thing. Um, and with the case of, oh, I feel like a lot of PCFX games, they usually want to give you a lot of Windows options, and they're always kind of elaborate window options, <laughs> which, which which kind of works against you in some ways in, in certain games. Um, sometimes I am impressed by just how well the, the translate tool can actually work out um, text from the background but in the case of this game I didn't actually try it I did look at the different backgrounds and saw there were different ones that probably would work better than others there's like a checkerboard one that probably would have been the best option um, but there was one that was like really cute that had like all the main characters heads floating in the background there's also like this sprite that sits in the top right corner that I don't really understand it's like just like a character sprite um, you start off as like this little I don't know what it is rabbit dog thing that you I think you are kind of as the player playing as that rabbit dog thing and then as you get introduced to these different characters in the in the game you can switch out who that sprite is who's standing in the corner I don't think there's any like reason or value to other than to basically just have like you know the the equivalent of like the the keychain thing hanging from the the like top of a car and dangling in front of you kind of thing it, it kind of feels like that just like with a character sprite in the top corner so i don't know it seems like a, a cute and fun game um will i sit down and really spend a lot of time with it i'm not i'm not really sure um it was gifted to me i don't know if they want me to let them know that they gifted to me i, don't, I always feel a little weird about like telling people that somebody got me something just because I don't want people to think that they can go ask them for things. <laughs> but um, person, if you're listening, that gave me minimum nanonic or whatever it's called, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, Megami Paradise 2. This game. This game is like 100% my game. Why? Because it is a game that makes like full use of the PCFX's feature set. And it also is like a Hunex love letter. And it's also very uh, weird and odd. <laughs> In some ways, if I, the best way, it's a hard game to summarize. But if I were to like shove a bunch of video games together to kind of describe it, I would say it's kind of like if you took 
Shenmue and mix it with like an anime <laughs> anime thing like a like a, a weird kind of like earthbound anime kind of thing you basically are are the set of characters and i, I don't know megami paradise one honestly very well I, I watched a little bit of gameplay and it's looks like it's just as weird but it's also like in some ways like an rpg where this game this game kind of has rpg elements too you have to like basically go around and build up fans we actually talked about it a little bit on the um pcfx podcast i did with uh matt and filler matt who's uh, known as filler who runs the play Ungo channel uh, a while ago and he was playing it at the time and he really liked it and i can totally see why this is a great game um and you basically just go around the town and there's like a bunch of different shops that open at different times of the day you can go in there buy stuff you can dress your character up and then you have like different poses you can do because you're like an idol so you can go and like do poses and you build up fans and there's like like you can go to the anime shop and there's like a bunch of like <laughs> you know uh, uh columns set up for each character in the game where like you know there's just like ovas and animes and you know fan stuff it, it, it it's a very goofy game uh a little crude in some regards but crude in like a funny way kind of thing like <laughs> there's a shop you can find that has a sign and it's just completely censored out and it's like what is this and you go inside and it's just like an adult shop and everything is just blurred out in the shop <laughs> and and like if you go and talk to the clerk they just talk in symbols and things like that so it's 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 kind of kind of funny and there's also just like another character who's like a or a an enemy you can run across that is just like a streaker or something i forget what they're called like the dudes that like show up in the trench coats and open it up and they're you know naked on the inside i don't know if those have a name or if they're just called streakers or what um so it's definitely a game that's not necessarily for kids um it's also not really like trying to be erotic per se there's definitely like a lot of skin in the opening video and you can also get like different skimpy outfits for your characters and things like that that you can put on there's actually a ton of like character outfits it's, it's kind of crazy given it's like a sprite based video game so like i imagine they have to like draw those those animating sprites for for you know every outfit kind of thing right it's not like just a 3d model which you can just put that model in and like as long as the mapping is correct like between the different models like you don't have to make new animations hey guess what guys i'm a game developer and i know these things i'm not a game developer i don't know if that's how it works don't listen to me but but i'd imagine you'd like build out a skeletal for a skeleton for a character you could kind of like swap outfits between them and you know you probably have to, probably have lots of things to consider with that but but i imagine with sprite art specifically you have to sit there and like draw out each individual new outfit and all the animations associated with it and there's four characters or actually eight characters you can play i think um, and, and it seems like all of them can wear the different outfits. I'm not sure if you just like, they're just like throwing the different heads on the bodies or what, but anyways, all that aside, it's just like a really fun thing that like, I, I didn't even really interact with the game itself, which is about building up your fan base and then doing these fights between different like characters. Like I ran into like a businesswoman and did a fight with her. I fought the streaker. There's like these random robots you can fight with as well. Like it's like you just end up fighting a bunch of random people around town without a lot of rhyme or reason <laughs> as far as I can tell. I mean, obviously it's Japanese. So, but I'm going to, I get the impression this game is supposed to be really goofy and really weird. I don't know for sure if the story is about this, but I get the impression that the story is about, basically god becoming obsessed with polygons and trying to take the world or like make the world a polygon world and changing it over from like a 2d world kind of thing um which you know given the pcfx's you know uh uh feature set 
and also Hunex's weird commitment to the PCFX. <laughs> I can kind of see where that's coming from if that is the case, but I, I didn't really sit there and try to like translate the story or anything like that. Just the impression I got from like the opening cutscenes. But yeah, it's just like a lot of fun shops you can walk into. You can look at stuff. You can buy random stuff. I bought a copy of Private Idol and Blue Breaker. What does it do? I have no idea. It doesn't seem to do anything when I use it my inventory, but maybe at some point there's karaoke. You can go and sing karaoke if you want to. Uh, for for um, a bunch of different things, including Private Idol. I think there's two original songs, the, the main theme from the game. Um, there's also a Blue Breaker theme in there, which this game actually came out two months before Blue Breaker. So that was like a kind of preview thing that you could do for, for Blue Breaker in that game, which is kind of cool. Um, so yeah, it's just a really neat thing. Um, the, I guess the reason I think about Shenmue really is the, like all the, the the stores having the different times that they're they're open. You also have to like feed yourself and make sure you have enough food, which is, which is a Shenmue three thing, weirdly enough, actually. But you have to like make sure you have enough energy to go around. And then also like I love the bus system in the game because you just get on the bus, and I was like sitting there on the bus like waiting for it to stop, and it just like never stopped. And I was like realized that it was looping. I was like, oh, I have to do the like bus thing where you have to actually press the button to say what stop you want to get off on. Um, it doesn't seem very useful because you can kind of walk between the different parts of town fairly easily. Um, although I, I think I might need to like actually write out what parts of town are connected to what because it was a little confusing trying to navigate around because there's not really space between the parts of town. You just kind of walk off the left side of the screen and you end up in like a different type of town kind of thing so it's a lot of diversity in its environment actually too so very cool game and i think it's one of those games that's really going to be a defining title of the pcfx for me and i it has gone from like maybe i'll look at this someday to like high priority maybe the next pcfx game i really spend time with um i really want to make fartland story fx be that title and I really should now that I have my mouse working and everything, um, which I did. Um, if you saw, I streamed Farland Story FX a couple weeks ago and had trouble with the mouse. That was really just me holding the mouse pad up with the mouse. Once I actually had it on like a stable service surface and selecting the options, that was a lot easier. So I don't think that that was a mouse issue. Just me like not holding it on a stable surface, basically. Um, but Farland Story FX is like a strategy RPG kind of thing. I really want to sit down and check that out at some point. That has a fan translation, but it's not like story based. So it's really just like for user interface elements. I thought about just playing it in the original Japanese, but honestly, it's like there's no really harm. There's not really harm playing it in, in English, so I just went ahead and was like, okay, I'll just play this in English. So, yes, that is pretty much all the FX stuff. I did play a couple other things just because I needed to, but it was stuff that I'd already spent a little time with in the past. Maybe I learned a couple of new things about them, or like with the case of Welcome to Pia Carrot, I sat down and spent some time with the actual translated version rather than the Japanese version. And by the actual translated, I mean the one done by Filler Matt of Playongo. Um, there was no actual official localization of Pia Carrot as far as I'm aware, at least. I actually don't know when the last Pia Carrot game was. I saw my friend sent me like one that was for Xbox 360. I was talking to him about the game a little bit because uh, one of the characters I thought would be some character, uh, a type of character that he would like. Um, but but um, yeah, it was... Uh, I, I don't think any of those games ever came over. I don't know who owns that now. I assume... I feel like Broccoli might own it, but that just might be my assumption based off like Broccoli owning all the first Kiss Story stuff. And for some, I don't know why it would make that connection of why that would make sense. But in my head, it's Broccoli. I don't, I don't think Broccoli owns Pia Carrot. I can't recall ever seeing a Broccoli logo. Cocktail Soft is the developer, I believe, of the original Pia Carrot. Although the PCFX version is developed by Hunex, as far as I can tell. It's actually running on the Hunex, uh, uh, the same engine as First Kiss Story, or at least a 
the original version of that engine because First Kiss Story came out later. Fun thing I did find out, actually, I'm going to get off this PCFX train in a second. Just give me some time. <laughs> Fun thing I did find out recently, too, actually, is that um, Welcome to Pia Carrot doesn't have anything about using the PCFX mouse on the actual packaging, but you can plug the PCFX mouse in and it works. And I, I, for a second, I thought, I was like, this is going to be stupid. Why are you plugging this mouse into this PCFX? Like, I always think about the, like, the fact that, like, everybody who bought a DS back in the day, the first thing they do is touch the top screen. They know it's not a touch screen, but they're just like, huh, what if? <laughs> like, what if I find out the magic feature Nintendo did not include is if I touch this top screen kind of thing? I don't know. I heard, I feel like a lot of people have that experience, and, and myself included. Um, so I felt kind of dumb, like, putting the mouse. I was like, oh, I'll just kind of, you know, I'll see what happens. And I did it with Pia Carrot, and the game supports mouse. Uh, now, admittedly, there's some logic behind that because it is running on that same engine as First Kiss Story. So I was thinking, like, well, if First Kiss Story supports the mouse, it's not a guarantee because that is a later release, but there is a connection there and, a, like, a thought process behind that. Now, I did plug a mouse into a variety of other games just out of curiosity. It's like, okay, do any of these other games have this same thing? Um, and it will recognize the mouse, but it is very clearly not doing what it's supposed to, which makes me wonder if the mouse is, like, just using a bunch of button combinations and things like that to kind of say what what's it or what like what it's doing essentially because um if you like move the mouse around typically it's just like basically shoving a bunch of random inputs i've had the game just like hard reset on me a few times but if you hold down the start and select button on the pcfx controller that is something that will happen so maybe it's just reading that input um and and things like that so the mouse can definitely talk to those games, but it's very clearly not supposed to be doing what it's doing. Um, either way, I'm probably going to keep just shoving that mouse in there just out of curiosity. Probably shouldn't, but, you know, it's probably a waste of time. But who knows? Maybe there'll be another Pia Carrot out there somewhere that has mouse support, and I just can't find any evidence of it. So, so yeah. Anyways, that's the end of the PCFX talk. We done. We over with that. Um, PCFX video. The rough draft is done. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about it, actually. Um, it, it took a lot of work, so but I, I'm, I'm get pretty confident in it. When it will be coming out, I don't really know about that. Um, I do want to kind of somewhat finalize the video for now. There's a couple of things I can't really finalize until I figure out what I'm doing with the rest of the videos after that, with the um, with the you know English guide videos, the short ones that are intended to not be a lot of work. Um, but it is something that I want to get done sooner rather than later. So so yeah. One other game I went ahead and played uh, a little bit this week, and it was really Friday night just because I was waiting for um, people to play some God Eater. Nothing to say on God Eater, just we played more of it. Still God Eater. Um, God Eater 3 specifically. I'm still just kind of not really digging God Eater 3 that much. Um, anyways, so while I was waiting for them, uh, I went and played Namco Museum Remix. Uh, this is a Wii game that was like a remastering of a bunch of Namco Museum games. Really, the main feature of this release is the Pack and Roll Meat Remix. And if you remember correctly, or if you remember, um, we streamed Pack and Roll Remix uh, uh, last uh, Thursday. So so I went ahead and did that, and I was like, you know what? Since we beat Pack and Roll Remix on Thursday, let me just get the rest of this out of the way. It seemed pretty straightforward, pretty easy to do. So I just sat down and played it. There's a couple different games on there. Um, one is called Pac Modos. I don't, and, and, and these are all, I think, you know, remaster versions of, or remixed versions of old games. So I don't know what Pac Modos is based off, to be completely honest with you. Um, and I didn't bother to look. <laughs> but I, 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 basically, you're like a little Pac Man head and you go around and you like, 
hit these like balls and stuff that are on this field and the the field has like glass ground so like if if something comes down and breaks the glass that creates a hole and you're basically trying to push each other off it kind of feels like monkey monkey ball fight or something like that if you ever played a monkey ball game where you punch each other but in the case of this game you don't have a punch although in the case of this well you can get power-ups in the case of this where where essentially you can do like a charge attack or you can jump or increase your your um uh, melee damage or not man but more like the knockback you do there's not really health or anything like that um or at least not on the standard enemies and it but most part you're just kind of ramming into each other and like the, the board will start to tilt. And so that gives like an advantage to whoever's on the, you know, upper side that's coming down the other character. And sometimes there's like a bunch of garbage on the screen. So it's just like a complete mess as your little Pac-Man bounces around between all this stuff. Um, but it's a neat little thing. It just, it's kind of mindless. I think is the big thing. It's not super challenging, but the, there's a little bit of thought process you got to do on some of the later missions, especially when it's with like the giant balls, you got to kind of figure out how to get them to, uh, work against each other, push each other off, and then how you kind of bait uh, the, the last one over to the side so you can kind of push it off even if you don't have like a, a, a power-up uh, available to, to, to utilize. So it was a fun little thing. The Galaga remix portion of it was just basically just an on-rail shooter where you have to protect the Pac-Man rolling down this pipe or whatever. There's some boss fights in there. I, I think it's a really flashy uh, on-rail shooter. You, like, basically have Pac-Man rolling around and, like, a bunch of just, like, really colorful environments and, like, the Galaga-looking aliens coming down and you have to shoot them all. There's, like, a bunch of these, like, crystals floating in the background and things like that. And uh, there's a lot of, like, very dynamic camera angles, though I will say the dynamic camera angles, while cool, get in the way of you shooting stuff sometimes. And I feel like it, it, it kind of actively hurt the game itself. But as somebody who's not really trying to get a high score or anything in that game, just trying to finish it, it wasn't really a huge deal. The last boss is actually pretty challenging. It requires a lot of accuracy and a lot of speed. Um, but but after I played it, probably about like six or seven times, I was able to to, to, to beat the last boss. Very, very generous checkpoint system in there. Um, there's also a Rally X remix mode in there. I didn't really like it that much. I'm not a big Rally X fan, but if you want like a lot of different types of Rally X courses with different gimmicks, it seemed like a neat kind of thing to do. There's some expanded controls where you can like speed boost, I think. I don't think that's a part of the initial Rally X. Could be wrong about that. I think the ori original Rally X, all you get is the ability to like spray your, your smoke screen backwards. And this game has that as well. And there's like hazards in the course and things you can run into that will blow you up and things like that. I just didn't really love that that particular mode that much. And there's also like a gator game where it's like the one when the arcade really can use a like a mallet to kind of knock around um, a bunch of gators and every time you hit them you get points and some of the red ones you have to like hit multiple times things like that um that was not like a stage based game that's just like a score attack thing there's like a fun voice with it like if you like i never was good at it so basically every time i finished it there's a voice that just goes not bad and just like i don't know i found the voice kind of entertaining um i would be curious to hear what it sounds you know says when you do really good or something but i don't care enough to actually <laughs> uh uh get a good score but you basically just kind of use the analog stick to move pac-man around and then you swing the remote and you just smack the the gator on the head with Pac-Man when you do that. So I was, I was kind of like thinking about this because this whole game probably exists because of the Pac-and-Roll remix. That is the most substantial part of this game. My best guess is that they were like, hey, let's remake Pac-and-Roll. And then the other stuff kind of amounted around it um, after they maybe realized there wasn't like enough content there to really fill it out. Um, but the entire game is kind of based around Pac-Man not having any limbs. Which, when you think about the original Pac-Man, is a very normal thing in terms of the game itself. And I was like, well, is it really Pac-Man, like, minus limbs? 
or is it Pac-Man without the plus limbs kind of thing? But then I went up and looked up Puckman, which is the original Pac-Man name in Japan and everything, and the, the, the arcade logo cabinet for that. And he does have arms and legs in that arcade cabinet. So I was like, okay. He originally had limbs. It just was in the game. They couldn't show it. So it was he was a ball in the game. So it's kind of interesting that this game is based around all Pac-Man just being a ball um, and his like stare that he just doesn't really have any emotion. He's just constantly like, ah, looking at you. <laughs> so it's a fun thing. Pack and roll is an okay game. You go watch and stream it. Um, fun little thing to sit down and spend like, you know, two, three hours on. If you find it cheap, I'd say check it out. There's also another uh, collection called uh, 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 Namco Museum Mega Mix. I believe that's what it's called. And it's basically just a enhanced version of the Namco, Namco Museum Remix um, game that I have, but they add like an additional game on. Oh, there's like arcade games you can play in it too. It's like different ports of arcade games. Um, and they expanded those ports in there. I didn't really mess with the arcade games much. Those things are cool, but I just didn't really have a lot of interest in checking those out at this time. Not really in the mood for that kind of like old school arcade arc game at the moment. Toy Pop was enough. We played Toy Pop and we, we, we succeeded. Pino only. Pino is the only arcade game that I'll play. <laughs> so yeah, and that's pretty much what I played this week. So, so, you know, despite not really playing anything in the sense that I was going to complete it or something like that, um, I played a lot of stuff and, and it was very, uh, it felt like a very substantial week and it was fed like directly into the stuff I was working on for the most part. Namco Museum Remix, I don't think we're going to do any kind of video with that, um, at least with that package as a whole. Maybe we'll do something on pack and roll. I do have the DS copy sitting here, so maybe I'll sit down and play through that in a couple hours. Not not in a couple hours now, but, you know, sit down for a couple hours and and, and play through it. Um, and maybe that will, that will be... Um, something we can talk, maybe I'll do like a video that's like talks about both of them in the context of the differences. Not, not, I don't think it'll be, it's not going to be a featured video. It'll probably be a casual review. That's just like casual review, pack and roll plus remix, something like that. If anything, I don't really have a lot of desire to do a lot on pack and roll. I like pack and roll. It seems neat. I don't really have a lot to say about pack and roll though. It's just kind of a neat little fun DS launch game or not launch game, launch window game. I don't think it came out at the time of launch. It was a game that was right at the right time, I feel like. But it's still like a fun thing. It's not a bad game at all. So apparently Namco Museum Remix had like a 5 out of 10 as its average score, which I'm like, ooh, boy, that's a that's a rough score. But, you know, if you're charging full price or something, I don't know what it costs originally, honestly. So I can't say. But if it was like a $50 video game, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably a little light on content. <laughs> it's kind of intended as a party game, but... I don't know. Those mini games don't really seem like interesting enough to play four players, but who can say? Maybe it's the maybe it's the funnest four player game, but I'll never know because I don't know anybody to play four player games with. Um, some news here, real quick, but it's all very very slim stuff. Um, so there was actually let me let me mention one thing. It's not on my list here. Um, Blue Reflection apparently is a new Blue Reflection game. Reflection game. I think that's very cool. And I I watched the trailer and I was like, cool, cool, cool. But I have the original Blue Reflection and I don't know when I'll get the chance to play it. And you know, I I think I think enough people are talking about Blue Reflection at this point that I don't really need to talk about it that much personally. Um, so it doesn't really like. I don't feel, really feel a huge drive to really sit down and explore it. That doesn't mean that I'm not interested in it, but I think all of you know RPGs are something that I always want to play, but just never can find the time for. So it's on my list. I will be excited for the sequel if I ever beat the first one. <laughs> um, uh, anyways, and to get back to some of the stories I had written down, um, quick, I guess, correction. Um, I don't know if anybody really knew this at the time. I didn't see anything in the articles. Uh, Dead or Alive Extreme Venus Vacation. 
I talked about that going to Joharan or whatever that platform is called, that like erotic game website. Um, and, and the fact that it seemed like it was finally coming out in a way that like North American players could play it. Apparently the version that's on there is just the steam version. So you still have to use a VPN or whatever to get around, uh, that, that region locked thing, uh, is what it sounds like based off the, um, the Silicon era, uh, article I read. So what a shame, a game I'll never play again, but you know, let pe- let the people decide for themselves if they want to play Venus Vacation. I'm going to tell you, probably most of them actually maybe don't. I say that, but it's obviously successful because it's been around for like three, four years now. But, you know, I don't really love it. Either way, amazing presentation. I love that game in terms of music specifically. Whew, I love the music of that game. It's so good. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, it's, a little, it's a little bit of a shame. But either way... The world's not over. There are ways to play Dead or Alive Venus Vacation if you really want to. So go explore that option if you if that's what you're feeling like today. If, that, if that's what your goal is today is to get Venus Vacation in your life, you can do it. Um, that Yokai Watch announcement that we that we talked about, uh, I think, a week, last week, uh, it didn't really turn out to be much of anything. Basically, they're doing a Yokai Watch port um, of the original game to mobile phones. Um, you know, it, it kind of seems like a very low, <laughs> a low, uh, attempt at trying to get some traction on the Yokai Watch series at this point. Um, you know, I don't really know hundred percent how it's doing in Japan, but I don't get the impression it's like the thriving IP it used to be. So maybe it's just them just trying to get some, some momentum on that series again. Um, I, I don't know if there's any like changes they announced or anything like that. I didn't really read too deep into it. Once I saw that it was like a mobile port of the original Yokai Watch, I was like, okay, actually, you know what? I'm not going to look at this because A, it's probably not going to come into to, to the US and B, um, I will just play it on 3DS if I ever get around to it. Yokai Watch. I want to play Yokai Watch games, but we'll see. Um, maybe I'll just start with Yokai Watch 2 and just seal my fate. Um, or just Yokai Watch 3. Maybe just play Yokai Watch 3. Work my way backwards. The, Shino- the Shinobi method. Start with the like a more recent Shinobi game. Just play it backwards. <laughs> um, which actually worked out pretty well for me. Because I, th- I actually enjoyed playing Shinobi backwards. It was kind of neat to see that series kind of regress in some ways when I played it that way. Um, one follow-up as well is for the Neo The World Ends With You. Um, one interesting note. I, I said in the, the demo impressions I had that, oh, you can play in a party up to four players. Um, even though the demo only had three. That was just my assumption based off the fact that most RPGs have four players. Um, so, like, I didn't even think about it. I just said it and didn't think about it. Apparently it has six-player party member or part players for the parties, which is very cool. The, it's kind of crazy to think about, though, because that game feels like a mess to play with three characters already. Um, if you don't know, basically, what I said last time was... Um, basically depending on the character, they'll have like a button, uh, skill assigned to each button on the controller. So like if you press the square button, that will activate one character skill, press the triangle button, it presses, it activates another character skill. And then how you interact with these buttons are actually kind of different depending on the skill. So some of them are just like smash the button. I think other ones are hold and the other ones are like, like charge and release. So when you're multi- like managing all these characters at once in an arena battle, because you're really playing like all six at the same time, or, or at least in the demo, all three at the same time, I should say, um, you're, you're kind of multitasking with your inputs kind of thing. You're like holding down the charge button on one character, you're pressing the attack button with another, and then you're trying to like combo it with a range attack on the other one. So you kind of have to do a lot with your hands, which I think is something that's very much intentional about replicating that DS experience of like, here's this kind of crazy thing that is not in your control 
um, because it's split up between two screens or two different play mechanics, things like that. I think this is their attempt to try to replicate that on a modern controller or a normal controller kind of thing. And I think it's a very smart way to do it, actually. I think it's very uh, cool. Um, whether or not it gives like the same um, impression, I feel like, is a whole other thing. Cause, like, I kind of came away being like, oh, this is kind of neat. <clears throat> but I mean, again, the demo only had three buttons. Six players seems like a lot. If you're managing six buttons all at once with different types of inputs, whew, that seems like a, a, a kind of a over overburdened. But honestly, 100%, that's what I want on that game. I want that game to feel like a mess. Because I feel like the reason I like that original game is because it felt like a mess. So... <laughs> So we'll see if I ever get around to playing that. I don't, unfortunately, I don't think I will. But uh, you know, we'll see. Maybe, maybe when I actually like watch other people play, I'll be like, yeah, actually, you know, this looks like something I want to sit down and and spend some uh some 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 time on. So, so yeah. And that's pretty much it for news. So like, not really any new news stories, just like updates to previous things that I really had to say. So thankfully, I had uh, tons of stuff to say about the PCFX. Right. So very fun, very cool. Um. Anyways. That's it for this week. So if you're like, hey, Ben, what's coming up for context? The PCFX stuff is way out in the future, pr probably. Um, I have an Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival video coming up next, next week. It is a short video. I will say that. It is only four minutes long. I was not thinking it'd be that long, but it was. But it makes sense when I think about what the script is and everything. If you followed my Amiibo Festival coverage in the past, it's probably not going to be anything that different for you. It's going to be pretty much the same kind of thing I said about the game in the past. Um, but just kind of condensed down and formalized rather than having like a 45 minute video where I play Amiibo Festival and talk about my feelings of the game. Um, so, so that's, that's kind of it. I will say one thing I did do with this, um, you know, generally I'm trying to lighten my tone a bit in the more formal featured videos. That does not mean that I plan to go do like full on YouTube skits kind of thing, um, for most videos, right? Um, like the PCFX video does not really have anything like that. I do have some like light humor in there or like maybe how I accentuate something is, is kind of, you know, specific around how I'm, what I'm trying to highlight, something like that. This Animal Crossing new, new, or uh, Amiibo Festival video, I do have a small skit in there. It just popped up in my mind and because the video was so short, I was just kind of like, you know, let's have some fun. I, ha I thought of this thing. It's something I can immediately do without too much trouble. I don't have a good camera at this point, so it looks bad in terms of frame rate, um, in terms of like trying to set up a scene. I don't have good lighting in my house. The only reason like the podcast looks fine is because I have lights here blasting in my face, basically. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't say I'm doing anything professional here either. So, um, but you know, I, I, it looks kind of rough. Um, and, and I also <laughs> included a reference to a video from nine years ago. <laughs> and it was like, you know, if you're a hardcore one controller fan, if you're from the Aquilians box days, then yeah, yeah, you're ready for that reference. <laughs> but, um, if you want to prep, it's from the Kirby air ride review that I did. Um, there's just like a small joke in there. There's, there's actually quite a few small jokes in there. That was when there was, my videos were more skit oriented or more humor oriented. Um, and I kind of moved away from that, but I, I, I it just kind of fit in this video. I was like, I could re-record this or I could just use the, literally the exact same portion of the footage. And I like, I thought it was just fun to like use the original video and me and my old terrible room in the rundown house I lived in with my mom. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was, a, it was a, a fun little thing. So like, don't worry if you're like, Hey Ben, that video was too off the rails. Not that it's it's very light very light on the skit stuff but if you are worried about me being like hey i'm gonna you know do a bunch of skits in my videos going forward i don't know why i got like a mafia voice <laughs> if you're worried about that 
Um, don't be, you know, I'm ne- I'll never say never, right? I never want to like box myself in in that regard, but but I don't have a lot of desire to do that right now. At the very least, you know, you got Scott the Waz if you want to go see that. Go watch Scott the Waz if you want to get some skits and stuff. Um, but yeah, we'll see that. In terms of streams this week, we'll be streaming Elibits for the Wii. I don't know if we'll be playing all of Elibits. I think I really need to sit down and feel out what that game is. The impression I get from Elibits is that it may not be a great stream game, but people in the chat seem to think otherwise. So I was like, all right, we'll give it a shot. I will give it my full go. Um, and, you know, honestly, I put you guys through industrial spy operation espionage. So maybe maybe if, if it is like something that's not really working out as a stream game, maybe I'll just be like, okay, we'll just work our way through this <laughs> kind of thing. Especially if you guys are enjoying it. Then, then there we go. That, 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 that resolves that, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, so we'll see, well, maybe we'll, we'll do a little bit of a check-in temperature check and see, do we want to keep going th- forward with Elibits? Uh, it's like a 10 hour game from how long to beat, but on- honestly, how long to beat has not always been the most accurate platform in that regard. Um, like I, I think I was looking into Tom Clancy's ghost recon recently on the Wii and like the, how long to beat page says like it's 10 hours, which seems ridiculously long for an on-rail shooter. But when I look at like the actual gameplay online and some of the like individual statistics of how long it's going to be able to beat the game, it looks like it's probably close to like three hours, which seems a lot more about right for a console on-rail shooter kind of thing. I don't really expect a 10-hour game out of an on-rail shooter on console. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is this big, long, epic Tom Clancy experience on the Wii, but I doubt it. Um, so, so yeah, but anyways, the Elibit stream, that'll be at 7 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday this week. So you can go check if you want to set a reminder, uh, the YouTube channel has a live, um, um, event set up for it. So if you go sit there, go to there, click the, uh, set reminder, you can do that. Um, I'm not going to do reminders for, I think, featured videos for a while. I don't know. I feel a little uncomfortable with those. Um, if you guys liked doing the premieres and things like that, let me know. But I feel like I just kind of would show up there and I don't really know what to say. A lot of times, I like you guys being able to see the schedule listed out. But I don't, I don't like having to have, like, the chat room there and everything. And then I feel like, I feel like it makes people feel like they have to be there right when it comes out. Which I don't think is necessarily something that, you know, I, I, I want people to feel like they have to do. Either way, if you have feedback on that, let me know. I'd be happy to, you know, accommodate um, however, I don't mind doing it per se. I just didn't really find a lot of value in it. And I don't want you guys to feel like you have to come show up um, when a video first comes out. Just, you know, watch it at your own leisure when it makes sense for you, I feel like. So, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. Welcome to the website. I hope you have a great week. Bye.